In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All peoples have a sacred geography. Every nation imagines the world in terms of a favored set of geographical features. For the Greeks, it was the wine-dark sea. For Americans, it might be the spacious skies and amber waves of grain and purple mountain majesties. For the church, the crucial geographical feature is the mountain of God, or rather, mountains of God, plural. For you can plot the story of our salvation according to several mountains. Mount Sinai or Horeb, Mount Carmel, the Mount of Olives, Mount Calvary, Mount Zion. And so when St. Matthew tells us that Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them, he's drawing our attention to this range of holy mountains and to the history it marks. He wants us to connect what happens on Mount Tabor, the Mount of the Transfiguration, with what happens on the other mountains in the sacred story. And those connections help us to see the momentousness of what happens on Mount Tabor. And what we see, to put it simply, is that when Jesus is transfigured before his disciples, his divinity is revealed to them. They have known him as man, now they see him as God. They have seen him in the form of a servant, now they see him, catch a glimpse of him in the form of God. They see his metamorphosis, his change of form. He is transformed before them, transfigured. And his face did shine like the sun, the text says. Light pours from Christ's face. It does not shine on him, but comes from within him. The light streams from him, who is the true light, which lighteth every man who cometh into the world. The human face of Jesus shines with the uncreated light of God. He's revealed to his disciples as God of God, light of light, very God of very God, being of one substance with the one to whom the psalmist prays, with thee is the well of life, and in thy light we see light. With Mount Tabor, the living God is made manifest. There is a revelation of the holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity. The Father's voice thunders out of the cloud, speaking of Jesus, the beloved Son, and the Holy Spirit overshadows them in his bright cloud. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, the Lord, the same Lord who revealed himself to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai, when there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud upon the mount, when the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly and the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder so that all the people trembled. The same Lord 
whose glory abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain and the eyes of the children of Israel. The same Lord who passes by the prophet Isaiah, or excuse me, the prophet Elijah, on the same mountain, when a great and strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord is not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord is not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. This same Lord now shines and speaks and overshadows Peter, James, and John on Mount Tabor. And so it's no wonder that they react as they do. They fall on their face and were sore afraid. They respond as anyone does who encounters the vision of the living God, as Isaiah does when he sees the Lord high and lifted up, surrounded by the seraphim in the temple, and says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And again, as St. John the Divine does when he saw the Lord, when I saw him, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. It's no wonder the disciples fall in fear and trembling. For as the psalmist says, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The disciples fall on their faces in fear because they know they have encountered the Lord, the Holy One, and they do not think they will survive the encounter. They know that our God is a consuming fire. And they respond as Simon Peter does elsewhere when he falls down at Jesus' knees, crying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. At the presence of the Lord, Peter, James, and John fall on their face and were sore afraid. But what does Jesus do? Look again at the text. That Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. Jesus touches them. He touches them tenderly. Touches them and raises them up. Touches them and takes away their fear. Touches them and gives them his peace. His touch makes them, makes us, capable of standing in the presence of the living God. Between being both God and man, Jesus mediates between the radiant holiness of God and our own miserable sinfulness. As the scripture says, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. He reconciles us sinful humans to the thrice holy God. He whose face shines like the sun on Mount Tabor is the same one whose face will shine red with blood on Mount Calvary. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, at more than healed, by his blood, 
by the righteousness that comes by his blood, we will one day shine like stars in the kingdom of his Father. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Touched by Jesus, the disciples see only him. They saw no man save Jesus only. You might say that they have eyes only for him. They want only to see him. They desire nothing more than him. Jesus touches them, and his touch awakens their desire. It is with them as it was with St. Augustine, who once prayed, You called and cried out loud and shattered my deafness. You were radiant and resplendent. You put to flight my blindness. You were fragrant, and I drew in my breath and now pant after you. I tasted you, and I feel but hunger and thirst for you. You touched me, and I am set on fire to attain the peace which is yours. And this is what the Lord would do for you and for me. Touch you and gently raise your downcast face to meet his loving gaze. To take away your shame and fear and give you his peace and draw you to himself and set your, your heart on fire with his love. Delight thou in the Lord, says the psalmist, and he shall give thee thy heart's desire, because he himself would be your reward, the end of all your strivings, the satisfaction of your heart's desire. The Lord would touch you and transform you, so that you might say with St. Paul, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of mine own, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And again, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth for those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus would touch you that you might be set on fire for him. Now, practically, what does this mean for you and for me? Well, since this is the Sunday before Lent, I want to suggest a concrete way for you to experience the transformation Christ brings these 40 days. It's very simple. Set aside time every day during Lent to read the Bible prayerfully. After all, the Church teaches us to observe a Holy Lent by reading and meditating on God's Holy Word. And this is because the prayerful reading of the Word of God is the surest way 
to encounter the Word made flesh and to experience his touch. For as one writer puts it, he is the truth, and every text of Scripture speaks of him. So let us this Lent devote ourselves to reading the Bible prayerfully as a way of seeking the Lord Jesus, a way of seeking his touch. Let us, as St. Augustine urges, treat the scriptures of God as the face of God, melt in its presence. In closing, I want to return to the holy mountain for a moment longer with a beautiful prayer from the Orthodox Church for the Feast of the Transfiguration, a prayer that goes like this. O the mountain, wast thou transfigured, Christ God, and thy disciples beheld thy glory as far as they could see it, so that when they would behold thee crucified, they would understand that thy suffering was voluntary and would proclaim to the world that thou art truly the radiance of the Father. The heart of this prayer is the insight that the disciples are given a glimpse of the glory of the Lord so that they might see his passion as voluntary. And if voluntary, then not a tragedy, but something freely suffered, freely embraced, embraced for the sake of love, out of his tender love towards mankind, his tender love towards you and me, who were once his enemies. And you could even say that Christ was transfigured on Mount Tabor, so that when we behold Mount Calvary, we might sing, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.